Hello and welcome to Casting Shadows, episode number 28. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy, here with AK. AK, how you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Uh, excited to talk about some magic and just get into it. Well, the first topic we we're going to start up about happened this weekend-ish, which we're going to get into. The Mythic Invitational was going to be held on September 10th through the 13th. Two days after, or yeah, two days before, it ended two days before we're doing the recording of this episode. So there was 160 players involved in this Mythic Invitational playing Historic, the Historic Constructed Format. 250,000 prize. First place got about 10,000 and it got split from there. So that's a lot of money on the line for a very large tournament. Like I said, 160 players involved in this tournament basically one of the biggest tournaments of 2020 that has happened really for magic because of everything that is going on so it was it was a huge deal first place went to seth manfield with soul tie ramp so i want to start off by congratulating him on the ten thousand dollar prize and for taking taking the uh, the victory in this tournament but i want to talk about the myth mythic imitation as a whole and whether the the stream of it was a, a success for Magic as they tried to enter the eSports world. There were a lot of issues with the Mythic Invitational that we cannot, cannot ignore. There was a lot of coverage issues, mm -hmm. just to begin with. The 13th was supposed to be the, the top eight that everybody could see. Magic, the Gathering, or I think it was Wizards, released a statement that the the top eight was going to be de delayed because they were having issues with the stream. And everybody's like, uh, okay, yeah, I guess I guess we'll wait for it. And then they just kind of gave up. They never fixed the stream. And it was kind of a weird thing that was unheard of. So we went from being able to watch the top eight, which is supposed to be one of the most exciting parts of a this Mythic Invitational to canceling it and i think crim on mtg goldfish said that it was supposed to be that sunday and it got released because they had to record it instead of streaming it record it and then upload it at like 5 a.m pacific time on monday one of the ew, weirdest ew. times ever. <laughs> i mean i guess it's good that they got it out early but 5 a.m to watch it not there's not going to be very many people that are going to wake <laughs> up at 5 a.m to finish the top eight so that in itself was a disaster. I saw on Reddit as I was trying to do research about the Mythic Invitational that there was a lot of people complaining about the overall quality. Oh my gosh! The, it looked like stream. <laughs> it looked like potato. Did you quality. did you watch it at all? I uh, I did watch uh, some of it, and I thought so. Here are the two most pretty much egregious moments. Um, pretty so yeah two most egregious moments of the of the stream for me was one two players were playing uh, a match i forget what it was or when it was i was kind of you know i had up in the background and I, I think i was uh putting away some laundry or something but i looked over and i'm watching probably for about 10 15 minutes and then all of a sudden there's a pop-up on one of the player screens and it says hot single ladies <laughs> in your area with some woman like smiling uh, and I was like, oh, it's 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 a porn ad. And I was kind of like, wow, that's on here. Like, I thought maybe it got hacked, but like, no, it just was a pop up that somebody forgot to block. 
And then there's another moment where uh, one of the players was playing and his roommate behind him went to the bathroom with the door open while on stream while he was on stream. So he had oh his own God. his own stream going, so to speak, <laughs> while <laughs> he was playing. And I think the commentators kind of had a little fun with it, but still it was kind of like well, this is happening, you know, like. I just kind of like, wow, I, I can't believe a multi-million dollar industry such as like Hasbro and and Watsy really wants to have esports like Magic the Gathering be a huge thing if this is how they're going to treat their their stream. You know, like you look at professional esports, esports like League of Legends or uh, CSGO, even, even like Rocket League or Call of Duty. These are massive money making machines but they're also run like a, you know, an industry or they're run like the industry that they are. They're not mm-hmm. run like these little dinky uh, streams with like, you know, 240 FPS quality at McDonald's public Wi-Fi or something like these are quality streams that are put on so p- people can enjoy the content and watch it. And also speaking of which uh, of the watching part, I read that this is one of the lowest like viewed tournaments that or invitational tournaments in general that Watsi has put on and people have watched. And it's kind of surprising. Uh, they said the older pre-arena uh, paper events had more viewers on those old Twitch streams than uh, the arena ones. You think that the arena would have more because we're in quarantine. We really can't go and play paper magic. If we can, usually it's like a unsure bundle restrictions. Mm-hmm. People are stuck at home. People are bored. People are really itching it for play magic. You know, even people who aren't really like, I'm not really into arena or historic, but I put it on. So I'm like, man, I really want some magic, but I can't play right now. Let me just put this on. You think more people would have like that. But I can imagine people putting it on, seeing the quality of it and being like, mm, no, thanks. And then turn it off. You know, it just feels like. Highly unprofessional. And the reason me and Jeremy are talking about this on the podcast, you're probably wondering, we are a Death Shadow and Modern uh, podcast, and this is a little more of the arena and like standard magic scene. A, it's because topics are a little dry, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and uh, B, is this also just because people don't really care about standard or arena at the moment? Like they care about arena to play it, but they don't care enough about arena to actually watch it. They're more or less kind of like, well, you know, it's there like, I don't really want to watch it. I'll go play it kind of thing. Kind of like how people like, uh, like, oh, I love to play baseball, but I hate watching it Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like there are some people, you know, who love to play a sport, but they don't really enjoy watching. They find it tedious or boring or don't have fun. And I think that's what's kind of going on in arena. And I was thinking theoretically, this is, you know, not going to happen anytime soon. But if modern legacy were put onto arena, do you think that more people would be tuning in more people would be hyped more people would have a lot more fun and uh would the viewership go up and also what do you think about like you know how to fix a stream you know i know with your uh your, with your degree and not not <laughs> for all those that don't know jeremy has a a degree in communications not saying you're a super expert but you do have a lot of hands-on technology with your jobs and internships mm-hmm. uh how would you go about fixing the stream and, you know, like, how would you go about, like, just making it more professional? Well, to start off with the the modern and legacy thing, I do believe modern is extremely popular in Magic. And I'm not just saying that because modern is my favorite format. That's not to say that historic is just, like, the format that nobody cares about. I think it's a format right now that's been growing 
that a lot of people have been interested in playing something to switch off from the normal standard pioneer legacy modern that they normally play. And I think it's a really cool thing, really cool aspect of magic. So I do think the initial viewership, if it was a modern mythic invitational instead of a historic would be higher than that of the what was uh what historic was but the problem lies in the overall quality of the stream so i already mentioned i was on reddit before and that's when they talked about the the quality of the production and how it was just severely lacking how it was basically just kind of painful to watch at times someone said that it kind of looked like they the the two people that were playing or whoever was playing streamed their stuff to discord and then <laughs> wizards from there took that stream from discord and streamed it for them which severely killed the quality uh they looked like it was like 240 pixels basically basically being able to watch it and then it was god awful it reminds me of the time that uh i was in, i was i was living out of state and i wanted to watch a football game for a home team and i had to call my brother who was still living at home and have him facetime me the game while watching <laughs> So I was watching a TV through my iPhone via FaceTime. That's basically the level of stream quality I feel like Wizards was working with. Like, it was god-awful. Like, oh, I could see players on the field, but I'm not sure if that is the <laughs> running back right there or if that if I don't even know if they're on offense or defense. It was those really old, pixely, like, Madden 2002s <laughs> that, like, were basically just bricks, like, running. You know, like, speaking of which, I don't know if you saw the the Lions game or any of the game, I think the Brady game had it too, where they had like fake CGI fans in the background. That's like the level of like cringe. I feel like that Wizards kind of embraced this time around. Does Goodell own Wizards? Who knows? It's Find impossible. Out. <laughs> the way that it's run sometimes, I could question it. <laughs> Goodell's like concussions aren't real and fetch lands are never going into standard. Those are my two <laughs> fetch lands are real either. Answer. <laughs> fetch lands aren't real. I don't want to admit to them. So, you know, I, I just I'm just kind of bummed with uh, Wizards really not trying to care about the modern format or even legacy at that point during these times of of COVID and everything and, you know, quarantine and stressful and social unrest and all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like they really haven't put any effort into me like yes we got double masters i'm not saying like miners are getting like physical like like physical card stock support but there really has been no like team effort to like run like you know even an mtgo uh tournament granted i think mtgo like the the user friendliness of it and the look of it is like stuck in 2001 or 1999 but you know like it's still magic i would still probably watch it you know or like how come with the technology we have today, I don't think it'd be out of the question for me to take two two pro players, right, and fly them out to a location, uh, make sure they both get tested for COVID-19, uh, make them quarantine for two weeks and test them again, and then have them play a tournament, you know, or even if you don't want to do that much work, send them out, you know, both really high quality cameras, teach them how to uh, set up the camera put it on a stand and then do a remote tournament or something along those lines. Just something to get modern players really like an itch satisfied that we've, we've been wanting since like March. So I feel like we've been ignored. They really haven't gotten a lot of support when it comes to uh, watching tournaments. We kind of just got pushed to the wayside, you know, like I mean, it's how legacy feels all, all the time, really. 
uh, I feel bad for them. But Legacy is also a very exciting format to watch. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen like a uh, the mono black storm decks go off or the blue black storm decks go off in in uh, Legacy. It's something to behold. It's like, you know, dark ritual and a dark ritual and the cabal ritual into like tendrils for like 45 or something insane, you know, or mono red prison with like turn one chalice. It's it's really cool and something awesome to see. You know, I feel like standard sometimes like, OK, well, you know, here comes Euro again, gaining three life. Like, I don't really care. So I feel like a lot of the standard fatigue kind of infected this along with the potato quality of the stream. Mm -hmm. And I think another before I talk about my thoughts, another aspect that people really weren't too excited is when they were talking about the mythic invitation on Reddit. A lot of people are like, oh, great goblins. It's going to be a mono red goblins <laughs> tournament. And that's what I heard a lot of. It just seemed like people weren't as excited because they were questioning the metagame and I, I found a picture of the meta game from MTG Arena Zone and 20 it, it didn't look terrible. 20% of the the field was mono red goblins, 16.9% was soul time in range, 13.8 was junt sacrifice. And by now by now the full breakdown from MTG Arena Zone will be on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. But if you can't get people hyped because they're already complaining about the meta game before it even starts, that's gonna be a big problem having viewership. And then before I get into another aspect of it, it's not like this tournament was something that was set in stone and then COVID hit and they had to completely shift their shift their goals, which they did in a sense. It was a, this tournament was originally supposed to be in the spring of this year. Obviously, that's when COVID was running rampant, so they had to reschedule it. So they had from spring all the way till September 10th through 13th to set up their production. Uh, right now, <laughs> like I work, I work with productions right now with a bunch of other people. If we had this much time to set up and we set up a production like this, that was this terrible of quality. And we just seem generally unprepared. Like, I feel like I'd probably get fired. If you have that long, like come on, like look at, I'm not saying like Wizards or Hasbro is the level of the NFL or NHL, mm. but Hasbro still is worth like a billion dollars. <laughs> you guys can put some effort into having a good quality stream with interactive. Like, why is there not even a spectator mode on Arena? Mm. Why? Like, <laughs> that was another thing that was completely brought up a lot is just people are like, there's no spectator mode like Hearthstone. A lot of the other popular card games, they all have a spectator mode. And like I said, you had this much time to plan for it, to develop something, to make your stream better, to make it because this was like your first step into esports, your first trial and run. And it's already has this much negativity surrounding it. So when there's another production of this sort, people are not going to be that excited to tune into it because they're going to be like, well, if it was like last time, it was complete no, trash. Why would I want to watch it? <laughs> yeah. But like I said, you had this much time to plan, and this is the quality that you you give us. That it's, it's, not, it's something that most people would get fired for if you had this much time to prepare. Like you can yeah. give them a little bit of leeway because of COVID being brand new, because of streaming esports being brand new. But it's not like it was a short turnaround, like this tournament was supposed to happen then or right now. And 
we had to a week and a half before be like, okay, we can't do this in person. So we got to do this online. This is what we're going to do for now. We apologize for it. We just didn't have the time to prepare for it. They had many months to prepare for it. They had many other card games that they could have looked at to kind of emulate their esports sure. because yeah. this was their, like I said, this was their first step into esports and there's already so much negativity around it. And I think another reason is, I, I can't speak for this for certain, but I know this is true to me. I prefer watching paper magic. As mm -hmm. far as like online magic, I've watched a little bit, but sometimes because I don't usually, I don't ever really play online. I have a hard time following it because I'm not used to it. That's why like when I watch magic right now, I'm always watching versus live because they're doing the in-person paper events. They're doing their social distancing with masks. So you don't have to worry about that, but they're doing paper events. It's so much easier to follow. It's so much better of a production. It's so high quality. And then I guarantee the budget for Wizards to do this was a lot higher than the budget of Star City Games because that's more mm -hmm. of a subsidy of Wizards. So basically to put together this product, this final product, have it be as bad quality as it was and being on productions before we we definitely do have technical problems it's it's a thing that you're going to run into you're not going to mm -hmm. ever have a perfect production where nothing goes wrong we've had things i did sports last year and we always had we would do test things from like an hour before the game because we'd get there about two hours before the game we'd set up maybe like an hour and a half an hour before the game everything works perfectly all the cameras work perfectly all the audio works perfectly all the signals coming from our control room to the gymnasium is perfect. And then 30 minutes, 15 minutes before the game, when we're getting ready to go on air more along 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Uh Oh, I cannot speak to any of the announcers or the announcers <laughs> mics aren't working or why is this camera not working? It's, mm. it's a thing that happens in production that you're going to have problems, but you always have to yeah. troubleshoot it. You always have to fix it. And wizards, definitely did not do that um we've had we've had another instance we had a volleyball game that everything was working perfectly and about an hour before game time we just lost all audio like literally no audio no gym audio the announcers mics weren't working there was some kind of signal messed up but we still went ahead and played the game without audio, any audio and if there was anything that we needed to talk about stats wise or because there was a, I think there was a player in there that was close to making history in the game. We would try to display it through our graphics. You have to be able to adapt and overcome some of those problems that they have. And Wizards didn't do that. They delayed the stream, made people wait, which I, which is I guess fine because you you don't want to like you still want people to stream stream it and all that. And then once they got closer to that time, they're just like, all right, we got to cancel it. <laughs> All of that just mixed together with no spectator mode, mixed together with the quality of the stream that they had while it was working. It just it's a poor showing for their first effort into esports. It's kind of a joke for esports because all the other card games were like, damn, this is really the product that you guys put out. Like, this is a joke. And everybody else, it, like the the fans of Magic are like, dude, Hearthstone esports is so much better to watch than the product that you put out. Well, even like you said earlier, uh, you said Star City Game, the Versus series. That's three guys. It's Rob in a booth. 
it's Corey and it's Ross. Mm. And that's it. That that is literally the team behind it. Yep. And they did a they did a better job than Wizards. And I think it's annoying because Wizards like it just shoots himself in the foot. Like, you know, it'd be really cool to watch, you know, esports or a remote uh tournament or even like a remote commander game, you know, streamed or something along those lines. But instead we get this potato garbage and it kind of bums me out. You know, I, I think one of the other problems was that some of the players were Japanese and uh, all their cards were in Japanese. Right. So if mm. you're a newer if you're a new viewer to Magic, you might turn in to like, oh, wow, you know, Mythic Invitation. I've been playing Arena for a while. I kind of want to see what uh, what they're playing. And you turn on the game and then all the cards are in Japanese. and You don't recognize the art because you're newer. You're going to be really lost. You know, I think there should have been some sort of like. As soon as he plays a card and uh, in the bottom of the screen, it pops up what the card does or mm-hmm. like the English translation, you know, uh, or at the same time. What if you're a Japanese player tuning in to watch this uh, stream and then you're looking at these, you know, an American player and their English cards aren't making any sense to you. So like there's no there's really no like help for players or anything like that. Like I'm not saying have every language in the world, yeah. maybe the top five or top six. You know, like how Netflix usually has, like, I'd say, like, six major languages for their TV, for their movies to transfer over. But I, I just am, am kind of bummed that we don't really get that experience. And like I said, I, I feel like Modern Legacy really don't get a t- chance to shine during all of this. It's kind of like really just community driven at this point. You know, mm-hmm. like it's on us. It's on us to really make our make or break our communities and keep them going. You know, I, I've seen some places around the nation around the world even run their tournaments and are having you know temperature checks when you come into the store they're having plexiglass between players and they're like small like 10 people tournaments but they're just something for people to play magic and i think that's super cool and super safe uh i like all the precautions they're doing again but obviously there's spikes in your area stay home don't go out and stuff like that but you know like even besides all that you can do it remotely with like the webcam leagues and uh, I don't know why Wizards hasn't picked this up. Like, man, how come, how come we don't just do like a, a modern webcam league, league and we we pick like the 10 biggest players and we send them professional level uh, camera equipment. We teach them how to set it up, you know, because like I not, not sound like a rocket scientist or a know it all. But like, you know, you can definitely teach someone how to operate a camera over the phone or via Zoom, maybe a couple days before, have them set up like just place the camera somewhere you can see it, see your hand, see everything uh, correctly, have, you know, some sort of wide lens and call it a day, you know, or have something have like a mic in your ear and be like, hey, you know what? The camera is uh, not focusing. Could you hang on a second? Something along those lines, you know, instead they're just kind of like, oh, here's Arena. Oh, by the way, it's filmed on a uh, Razer flip phone from 2008. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't know really. I don't know what Wizards Endgame is if they want to break into esports because they're really pushing for esports, mm-hmm. you know, and it kind of is, it's embarrassing when Star City Games and Red Bull does their own esports tournaments and they're inf- 10 times better than whatever Watsi puts out on their official uh, license. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just embarrassing. And I really wish they would just kind of come to the grips that like. Yes, we need to like we need to help. We should start looking at other things instead of just chasing their own tail around and around. But, you know, I, I don't know if Wizards will ever kind of come to that conclusion, you know, and I don't know if they're ever going to like. Uh, I don't know. I'm just so conflicted on their pushing the esports because like, don't get me wrong. You know, I I'm not like a huge arena fan at the same time. I recognize that 
you know, I love how people can play arena and then be like, you know, what? I, I've been hearing about this other format called modern. I'm going to get into that. And they, you know, start buying paper cards and they get into modern, you know, arena is like the biggest gateway for people to get into magic right now. And they're pushing for it, but they're making it look, look terrible by not really performing at the most optimal level. And mm-hmm. these kind of like buffoons, you know. And as far as the Star City games, real quick, I want to shout out Rob. Because Rob is really a one-man team when he's behind there. He got a five-camera setup that I've noticed during the Star City Games streams. And he also operates two lavalier mics. And if they ever have problems and they have to shut down the stream for a little bit, within like five to ten minutes, it's back up. Like, I, I remember watching the one time, I think Ross's mic wasn't working properly. And they shut down the stream, he reset the audio, and then within like seven minutes, they were back up. Everything was working perfectly. So I, I wanted to give him a quick shout out because he really does operate a very well run stream on Twitch and does a great job with the videos, with the graphics. And then and to the point that you were talking about, I play a lot of modern, so I know a lot about modern, but historic, I really know nothing about it. Like I read off some of the read off some of the the metagame, but I couldn't really tell you what the cards were in there. So that's another aspect. I'm watching it. If I'm if I if I were to watch it, I didn't watch it at all. There's going to be a bunch of cards that are being played that, like you said, if they're in another language, I'm going to have no idea what they are. If they are in English, I'll be able to at least Google them. But you're not going to be able to do that with every card that comes up there. But to be like a a key piece of the deck that they're going to play, the commentators are going to know that this is a key piece. You could easily bring up a card. Star City Games does that. Every once in a while, they'll bring up a card that they're talking about. It'll show up on the screen, and it lets everybody know what they're talking about. And it's it's a very great aspect of it. And Wizards has been pushing for online a lot. Obviously, with the creation of Historic, that it's an online-only format, they were really pushing for players to play online. And then I don't really understand how you can push for online, but then give them such a bad production like it was for this Mythic Invitational. And I honestly feel we haven't talked about this yet. I feel really bad for the players that were involved in it. If I was involved in this tournament and I'm in the top eight, I'm going to be extremely proud of the work that I've done to put in here. And I'm going to tell all my friends, guys, I'm about to be this Sunday. I'm going to be live in the top eight with my deck. Uh, I have the potential to win 10 grand for first place. And then the stream doesn't work. They give up on the stream and they're just going to upload it later. And then, okay, well, I finished third place. I'd really like to go back and watch watch the games that I had. And then I go back and I'm like, I can barely, I look like a blob. My cards look <laughs> like a blob. I can't really tell what's going on. Honestly, I, or obviously I know what happened because I was playing it. But for the, the quality behind it, it's just absolutely terrible. So I also feel really bad for the players.
Yeah, there, there wasn't no really... Yeah, there was no really big advertising campaign, now that I think of it. It was kind of just like, oh, hey, by the way, we're doing the Mythic Invitational this weekend. You should watch it. Yeah, exactly. So that's another reason that, or another aspect that Wizards has really dropped the ball. For them to push into esports like this, have a bunch of time to prepare. Granted, I know this is new waters because we're not used to doing the online. We're used to, you know, having in-person events that we can stream. And I know it's hard because there's people all around the world to be able to play the play in this event. So it's going to be hard to do that, but you can't push for online and then release the product that they did. And like I said before, it's just going to kind of turn people off for the next next stream that they do online like that. People are not going to want to tune in and watch it. So I really feel like Wizards definitely dropped the ball with this Mythic Invitational, and that's really why we had to talk about this topic. It just felt kind of a bummer because like it could have been a great opportunity for them to really push for magic and show people like, hey, look at this this cool thing you got you could be doing while you're in quarantine. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is something that everyone can enjoy. It's free. It's awesome. And then they kind of just dropped the ball on it. It felt kind of like a waste opportunity. I feel like even if the next huge tournament that's going to be online is modern, I still might be skeptical and tuning in just because of the product that they put out this first time and the huge controversy surrounding it. What do you think? I mean, I'll, I'll tune in, but if I'm somebody who like casually watched the first one and I'm a casual magic fan and like, why the, you know, why the hell am I going to watch that one? The last one, they were pouring pop-up ads and I could barely see what the hell was going on with the players. <laughs> so, you know, with that being said, like, I feel like they're not going to, not going to tune in, you know? So I feel like you're, you lost a lot of people with this stream. It's going to take a lot of goodwill to get them back. And I think that solidifies a lot of for a lot of people that are would rather watch paper play over than online. And then they finally do online and there's porn pop up ads and everything else that went wrong with it. I think it just kind of solidifies to a lot of people that, well, I don't really want to watch this crap. I'll just wait until maybe 2021. We can finally have in-person events because that's when the streams are so much better. The quality is so much better. Um, Yeah, that's what. I don't think I really have anything else to add at that point. I don't know why I said add um, and had a dramatic pause, actually. I don't know. I got kind of excited. I'm like, damn, what is Jeremy going to come up with? He's <laughs> like, I, I finally have a way for GBS to fight back. And then it kind of just stripped it and off. And then it just but, faded. You know, I know. So guess we'll never know, guys. <laughs> Tune in next time. But yeah, so that's why we mean Jeremy had to talk about it. We really just felt like we had to get it off our chest and kind of just get it out there because uh it was just it was weighing on me i was like i was so i was so angry about it i had to talk about it if that makes mm-hmm. sense i was just so pissed like i need to talk i need to talk to somebody about this and feel valid <laughs> or validate about my opinion so I'm, I'm glad that i had a chance to speak about it but we actually have one or yeah, two two other topics or one two, more. Topics? two more two more two more uh what's next one jeremy so you sent it to me i didn't realize that it got posted um, in a in the MTG Death Shadows Facebook page, someone talked to us about it. How we really didn't mention the. I, I have his name. Let me look it up. So keep going. I'll look it up. I think it was uh Timothy Schmicky. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing yes. that right. Yes, we didn't, Timothy. We didn't, I don't know your first. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm assuming it's Schmicky. Okay. <laughs> he talked about how we really didn't talk about Agadim's Awakening. This is a card from Zendikar's Rising. It is a flip land, but it's also a sorcery. 
I think we kind of touched base on it on one podcast, but we really didn't go in depth in it. Agadim's Awakening is a three black mana and X as a generic cost. Sorcery, return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of target creature cards that each have a different converted mana cost, X or less. And the flip of that is the land, Agadim, the Undercrypt. It's just a land. It's not like it's a swamp or an island would well, be a swamp since it's black, but it's it's just a basic land. As Agadim the Undercrypt enters the battlefield, you may pay three life. If you don't, it enters the battlefield tapped and it taps for black mana. Um, we wanted to go back a little bit and talk about this card because we do like that people reach out to us and be like, well, how come you didn't talk about this? We always want to connect with our fans, anybody that listens. So we really great we're really grateful for Timothy to reach out for us and ask why we didn't really talk about this card. And uh I think now would be the perfect time to talk about this card. So AK, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you start. How do you feel about Agadim's Awakening, not only in Grixis, but in Jund or Four Color Death Shadow or even Mardu? Uh so I'm gonna take it one step beyond that. How do I feel about the card in general? <laughs> uh I like it. I think it's a pretty cool card. It's uh has a lot of cool flavor to it. I think it'd be an all-star in formats like Commander. We have a very high life total to play with. Maybe some mono black decks in the standard could take advantage of it, or even Pioneer for that matter. Uh, as far as modern goes, I don't feel like there's a lot of a lot of decks that want this land because uh, through life is kind of a steep price to pay, and then uh, the fact is in that all that uh, all that glorious. It's a four mana re- four uh, mana reanimation spell. That only brings back one creature, which is I think it seems SB CMC less than X. If I'm correct, right? So it has to be each have a different mana cost X or less. So it could yeah, be if so you do it for two, you could do a two or one. So you know, like you might as well just use that. What's what's the uh, the format of reanimation spell Zombify and just bring back Grizzlebrand or something at that point? You know, there's really not. I I, I don't know. It just feels like kind of a clunky card. And as far as GDS goes and Death Shadow and uh, Death Shadow Jackson in, in general, we, we really don't have a problem with losing our life. You know, we have uh, a ton of fetches, a ton of shocklands. We have Street Wraith. We have Thoughtseize. We can even have we can even bolt ourselves for playing bolts in the list. Like we have a lot of ways of losing life, not to mention our opponent is usually pretty willingly uh, taking away our life total, especially if we, if we can't find a threat. Uh, you know, humans players love chipping away at life total no matter what. So I feel like, you know, losing life isn't that all that big of a deal. And one thing about Grixis and Four Color Shadow uh, is we have very greedy mana bases. And these mana bases demand we have uh, our colors online as soon as possible. We have to have our colors online, you know, access all of our cards. Uh, the dream turn, dream scenarios usually is turn one, you start with a fetch land into Water Grave. And then uh, you follow that up with either another water grave or a blood crypt. I I I I like to usually have one water grave out, one blood crypt out, and one steam vents out. So I have all my colors when I need them. I can uh, have double red if I need be. I can have double blue or double black. You know, so I like to be able to do that. But uh, crypt Agadim would kind of just slow me down at that point because it's a land that can't be fetched. So it's not if it was fetchable, I could I could maybe see an argument because turn one, you could get your life total really low if you have a fetch land and shock land and a thought seed or something. But we don't really have a lot of need, you know, for crypto academe, I feel like lately. Mm-hmm. And uh, like we, we can lose life quick enough and we can't fetch for it. 
and the reanimation side is not that good. And I don't know. I, I just I'm I am unaware of like how good it would be in GDS. And I know people like oh, oh it requires testing. I do agree. If, if you want to test with it, uh, be my guest. And if it shows up in tons of top eight lists, I'll leave, uh, gladly in my words. But I just don't foresee it happening because it just feels too clunky. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's really worth it. Uh, the effect isn't all that great. And uh, like I said before, we have no problem losing our life total and we can't fetch for it. And it really brings down the power in my point, in my perspective. Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, I think the the flavor behind it is really cool. And definitely, you know, when you read Aghanim's Awakening, I could see why it entices you to play it in Death Shadow. I could see like, you know, I think people are testing out maybe one copy in the main board. I think even Michael Rapp talked about maybe testing one out in the main board. And uh, as far as like this, the, the stock Grixis list right now, I think they would be pretty poor in there because we're basically going to be paying four mana to bring back a Death Shadow and maybe five mana to bring back a Snapcaster in Death Shadow. Uh, obviously, Gurmog Angler, you're going to have to pay seven generic and three black to try to bring that back. That's obviously not going to be worth it. But to bring back a Death Shadow with Aghanim's Awakening, I think it's just better to... We don't really play it right now. We don't really play Unearth right now. So I don't see playing Aghanim's Awakening over Unearth being that much better. And we also are already playing Coligan's Command, which is three mana versus the minimum of four for Aghanim's Awakening to bring back Death Shadow. Coligan's Command can do two to a Planeswalker, do two to the face. It can uh, destroy target artifact. It can return a creature from the graveyard to the hand. So I think Colgan's command versus Aghanim's awakening is so much better. Maybe in four color shadow, because you know, you, you can pay five mana to bring back a Tarmogoyf to bring back a death shadow. I think that could be a little enticing. Um, but at the same time, Euro decks are really popular right now. Azorius control is another deck that I've seen as becoming really popular. So you just tap out four mana for it because it's sorcery speed. Another thing that Coligan's command is better than Agatim's awakening is at the end of your turn, I'm going to Coligan's command. And then if it, if it gets uh mana leaked, if it gets remanded, if it gets cryptic commanded, it's okay because it was the end of their turn. You're still going to untap with all your lands to tap out with Agatim's awakening to play it, just to walk it into a remand, just to walk it into a mana leak or a cryptic command is going to feel a lot worse than doing that with a, with a Coligan's command. So I can see the enticement behind it. I think it's a cool card. I think it would be a really cool commander card more than anything. And I don't see it really have an effect in the modern format, even outside of death shadow. I don't really foresee John playing it too much. I feel like John, the John list is already pretty set right now to be able to slot this in. Even if Grixis Death Shadow kind of transforms, because I know I talked about with Gurmag Angler, if we're playing more threats with Scourge of the Skyclaves, I still don't foresee Aghanim's Awakening being good enough to take up a spot in the in the list, because I feel like the lists are already pretty, pretty established. Not established, they're already pretty tight right now to be able to kind of fit this in right now. So I get the enticement behind it. I don't think it'll be good enough in Death Shadow. I don't think it'll be good enough in Modern. But I definitely invite you to try it. I might even I might be interested enough to try it just to see, you know, because right now everything's just kind of just kind of talking about it. We don't really have we we're not really saying for sure that it can't fit in there because we have not tried it. 
obviously because of Zendikar Rising it hasn't even fully been released yet. But there could be something that somebody tries and has success with, but it could be something that somebody tries out and like, okay, yeah, this definitely didn't work out. And then the the land part of it, like you said, if it was fetchable, I think these lands would be a lot better if they're fetchable. But I'm kind of glad that they didn't make them fetchable. Just left it as a land. So then you kind of have to draw into it naturally and that's not something you would really want to do and like you said we're already playing fetch shocks we're already playing thought seeds we're already playing street wait street street wait <laughs> street wraith <laughs> <laughs> so we wait for me so we already have enough cards that do enough because like thought seeds you lose two life but you also get to pick apart their hand street wraith you get to lose two life but you also get to replace itself by drawing a card this card if you play it you can have it untapped if you pay three mana which is nice but it only taps for black mana so if you're already you're like okay well i have a stubborn denial or i have a serum visions or team or battle rage and this is the only land that i have it's going to be kind of useless it's definitely going to be a mulligan so I don't think the land, I think the land part of it would be even worse in Death Shadow than the Academe's Awakening part. I'd be intrigued in Academe's Awakening, but I definitely don't see it really fitting or finding a home in Death Shadow or in Modern in general. Yeah, I just, you know, like I said, but uh, like Jeremy said earlier, thank you for reaching out to us. It's awesome to hear from our fans. And Absolutely. if you guys have more questions, uh, feel free to reach us either on Twitter or on Facebook or even uh, Reddit or even the comments in YouTube. Just reach out, you know, at Casting Shadows. Here's my thoughts. Here's my questions. We'll try our very best to respond to them. We'll probably respond to them because we don't have that many fans <laughs> asking us questions. So please comment below. And as real quick, as far as as far as on Twitter, too, I've been using a new hashtag so that people can get in touch with us through the hashtag, too. So if you add us and use the hashtag, it'll be another way for us to find us. So hashtag casting shadows nine, which is our username. It's casting shadows, but it's casting shadows nine because somebody already took regular casting shadows. So I had to use a number in there. Son of a but that's, a, <laughs> that's another way to get to us on Twitter. Yeah, so reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to uh, read your questions on air and get to them. Uh, I know Jeremy said we had another topic, but it looks like we're running long for today. So we're going to let you go. And I hope everyone has a great and fantastic weekend. And we'll see you next week.